Welcome to Raunchy Power Hour, a book club for discussing romance from the erotic to the erroneous. As always, this is an explicit podcast and contains strong language and adult themes. If you are sensitive to these things, we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now. This month, we are reading Ice Planet Barbarians by Ruby Dixon. This is part one of Ice Planet Barbarians. This podcast will contain spoilers through part five. If you want to read along with us, stop listening now. It's okay. We'll wait for you to come back. This book contains themes of death, threats of slavery, rape, and alien abduction. You have been warned. I'm your producer, Ashlyn. I am one of your hosts, Sydney. And I'm the other one, Lauren. <laughs> now get ready to get raunchy. <laughs> Sydney, I have to ask you, was this your first endeavor into monster erotica? Uh, yes, unfortunately it was. <laughs> Well, actually, please explain. So unfortunate in the sense that it was big blue aliens. I didn't expect it to be big blue aliens. Hmm. What would be your preference if we had to rewrite the entirety of this series of what is it? 21 novels? Mothman. Mothman? Mothman. He is. Have you ever seen the Mount Pleasant in West Virginia statue of Mothman? He do be fine. <laughs> and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but does Mothman in that one specific statue in the middle of nowhere, Virginia, have a what was it called? A structure uh, above he's got a their ass. <laughs> is that what you're looking for? You know. If it's on the board of our family feud, I'll take it. <laughs> Show me Mothman's ass. <laughs> oh boy, for 200 points, I'm going to say no to that, but thank you. Damn. Speaking of monster erotica, I think it's worth talking about where Ice Planet Barbarians fits within the wider spectrum of erotica novels, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I definitely would. Um, cause I had never heard about this book until I kind of heard about it on TikTok. Hmm. Do you remember where on TikTok you heard it? I don't, I don't. I'll be completely honest with you. I remember it being like in book recs for spicy book talk. Um, but I also kind of remember hearing it kind of like in introductions into romance, which I found kind of interesting. Hmm. Introductions into romance. I mean, I don't know if I would consider this an entry level romance novel only because no. the jarring no. introduction of our meet cute was. Please censor this out, producer Cunnilingus. Um, <laughs> and that's a little of intense greeting. Where's hi? Hello. Buy me a drink. Yeah, no, it was more just like, hi, hello. Let me uh, eat you out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> well. I think, I don't know if that is a generic feature of monster erotica, but I do know that this does fall under that specific subgenre. And do you know what else falls under the subgenre of monster erotica, strangely enough? No, I'm scared. (laughs) Twilight. Twilight? What? Okay, that makes sense, actually. Absolutely. Well, then I guess that wasn't my introduction into monster erotica, because I have read Twilight. I think that's the important point here, though, because when we read Twilight and we're thinking of sparkly Robert Pattinson stepping out into the sunlight and exposing his really weird fish fillet-esque body to (laughs) all of Italy, I think our first impression is not to see him as a monster, intentional by design. And I think on the 
really unique niche spectrum of monster erotica. I would argue that I spin at barbarians probably falls a little bit closer to twilight than it would to, I don't know, say effing the monster that lives underneath your bed. Oh yeah. I've seen like books kind of like about that stuff. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say that that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. And I think, uh, and we'll, I'll probably bring her up in either this part or the next part, but there is this blog post by an author, Laura Diaz D. Arch, and I'm so sorry if I'm butchering that name, um, but please check out the full version of this blog post if you are interested in reading in depth. It is really, really informative. But she basically talks about how the alien features of the Sakui, like Vectal, and we will get into the details of Vectal, tend to skew less oh, alien. Yes, we will. <laughs> unfortunately, so. <laughs> Apparently, he tends to skew less alien than more really just enhanced versions of like common objects in more of a sexualized or objectified manner, which is interesting to me as something that is classified as monster erotica. So, Sid, when you were reading this, did you think of Vectal as a monster? So, no, it's actually interesting. I kind of viewed him not as like a fictional monster, but almost like the author was trying to describe like a Neanderthal, like, you know, um, those really big prehistoric apes that were like the cousins of humans. Mm. Like it just in a way they were describing Vectal, like it, they had a lot of the same features. Um, so I, I, so from that description, maybe then yes, because then I would associate that with like, say, Sasquatch or something like that. So I guess I'll say yes. Hmm. Hunky Sasquatch. Hunky Sasquatch. Like that might, like we might it. need to find another book like that. We need to find a book that's <laughs> Sasquatch. There's got to be something on Wattpad. I really want to read something with a cryptid, apparently. Mothman Sasquatch. <laughs> I'm sensing a fame. <laughs> Uh, well, I guess speaking of themes, uh, actually, I believe it was you that introduced this novel to me when we were first picking uh, the absolute devastation of what we would be reading for the next month. But speaking of that, it's kind of a marvel how this book became such an Amazon hotlist bestseller. But I think, as you mentioned, you heard of it on Book Talk, and that's apparently where it originated. Really? Okay. Yeah, because I... I know a tiny bit about this book. Like, I don't know, like, the full, like, scope history. So I'm actually very interested to kind of hear what you have found, like, about this book. Oh, I am happy to fill you everything in that I learned from a five-minute Google search. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, there was this random TikTok creator who was born in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, as myself and several other of us were, I'm sure, who posted on what was the beginnings of what we call book talk now, basically talking about some underground or niche romance novels that she had been loving recently. One of those that she showed was Ice Planet Barbarians, which at that point in time had already actually been published for about five years, give or take, but it received little to no traction. No, absolutely not. And even if you look up old covers of Ice Planet Barbarians, they look very much like your standard, like Photoshop, a little bit outdated, like... Oh, yeah. Yes. So. When she posts this about or posts about Ice Planet Barbarians on TikTok, everyone floods to Amazon to purchase a copy because more of a joke factor, I think, than seriousness. But eventually people started thinking, hey, this is a revolutionary way to introduce sci-fi to, for lack of a better term, nerdy women that are also interested in erotica and just the idea of female worship and pleasure. And from that, actually, the author herself, Ruby Dixon, 
was really flattered. She didn't mind the jokes or the criticism and was actually floored that someone wanted to take the time to bring such attention to her beloved TikTok alien porn, as it is now referred to. I love that. I was actually going to ask you before it was published and like, um, like I know it was retaken by uh, Penguin Random House, I believe is the publishing company that republished uh, the book. Um, it was self-published, correct? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I, that's what I thought. I thought it was just like, cause I know there's a system in which you can, um, upload things to Amazon and then that's like how you then, uh, like get things published. So my grandma does. Mm-hmm. This is your friendly producer edit. Um, <laughs> it was self-published in 2015 and then again, self-published in 2019. And the edition that I think all three of us read was published in 2021. Thank you, Ashlyn. (laughs) Got you. Well, I do know that there's like a low barrier to entry with Amazon self-publishing. You don't really need any kind of credentials or or anything like that to publish a book. Yeah, from what I understood when it was first introduced to me, this was kind of like a cult following in a way. And I knew there were a lot of readers out there who really enjoyed this series and um a lot it was like a very cult following so then when it was self-published again became popular that was kind of um when it hit the main i guess you could say into the mainstream uh so it wasn't hipster anymore to read (laughs) ice planet barbarians Yep, yep, yep. Mm. Love and hate. Love, Unfortunately, I, I think all three of us have sometimes book talks a lot to me. thank book talk for, and also to hate them for, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and I think there's a lot of other readers out there that both loved and hate this book. As a quick little icebreaker, just to but let you all know the divisive and. <laughs> thank you thank you for recognizing my puns um a <laughs> lot more to come um so i think there's i don't i'm just so <laughs> apparently just like us in our little group of three all of the thousands of readers that have read ice planet barbarians have had a wide range of opinions some flooring it and praising it some not so much just to take a couple of gems that i found on amazon literally this morning uh one of the five-star reviews from an anonymous amazon reviewer goes as follows abducted by little green men traumatized by deplorable conditions crash land on an alien planet get eaten out by a seven-foot blue alien who wants you to carry his babies loved it georgie is a hero for taking that monster (laughs) for all of us lesser And then alternatively, we have a one-star review, which I think we can all relate to at least somewhat. Don't judge me. It's finals week. I've been stressed the hell out. (laughs) And I'm in my house in the middle of nowhere with no one that I know. So yeah, I read the alien porn. um, Will I read the other 17 books? To that one-star review. Probably. (laughs) Because... I, because, well, maybe we should introduce what the book is first and like some of our main characters and kind of what's going on. Oh... All right. Um, so we got our main character, um, and her name is uh, Georgie. Uh, Lauren, would you absolutely do take it away? Keep doing every time. <laughs> yeah. So every time uh, we would start a chapter, 
Are you Georgie? Uh, Hi, Georgie. Um, so our story kind of opens up with our girl, with our gal, Georgie, who will definitely let you know that she is a Floridian and that she's from the South. Um, she talks a lot about palmetto bugs and uh, gators and being from Florida. Um, and also she really likes Star Wars, um, which will come into play in a little bit. But our girl gets abducted, um, not by our sexy blue barbarians. Oh, no. By little green men. Um, so she kind of wakes up in the ship and then we get introduced to, um, a bunch of other girls. Like, uh, I don't remember all of their names, but we have Liz, who is a funky, uh, girl from Kansas. I want to say, I don't remember where she's from. Yeah, definitely. Yeehaw. Um, and then we have, what's her name? She has the earpiece. What's her name? Kira. Uh, we have a girl, Kira. Um, and then we have uh, a couple other girl characters. We don't like they don't really speak much. It's kind of Kira, Liz and uh, Georgie, who are our main uh, three human gals. Anyway, Georgie finds out that she and the other girls all have no close family, no really close friends. Um, they're all around the same age and none of them are pregnant. Um, so Georgie wakes up on the ship and is like, whoa, aliens. I didn't believe in them. And Liz is like, well, you better learn how to do it soon. Um, (laughs) So we get to this cargo hold. We find out there's a bunch of girls. Um, And what I found weird about these first few chapters, well, parts, I guess they're parts, not chapters. Um, What I found weird about this romance book and specifically was that it kind of opened with some scenes of uh, essay. Which mm-hmm. I would not myself want to enjoy within the first few pages of a romance book, especially one that's meant to be erotic, you know? Essay, sexual assault, because I don't think everyone knows. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Ashlyn. So what I, what I found kind of weird about um, the opening to this book and the first few parts was that there was a lot of mentions of... Uh, trigger warning for sexual assault but a lot of uh a lot of mentions of that and rape which Mm -hmm. in a erotica romance book would not be my ideal thing to read if i'm going into a story in the first place um and i'll keep going no you go ahead i was gonna say i'm actually really glad you brought that up um i know we made some like really uh, joking like Amazon reviews and those are legitimate reviews that and I'd mm-hmm. say the majority of what you see when you look at Ice Planet Barbarian's Amazon seller page. However, if you look at a lot of the one-star reviews, uh, the vast majority of those critiquers are saying very similar things. They basically are talking about how they believe that it's a very easy fix and should be in addition to this kind of content to add a brief trigger warning at the beginning of the novel or somewhere on the descriptor on the Amazon page so that people that may be affected or sensitive to those certain topics would be warned going in. And I think even just in our experience reading it together, if I recall, it was a bit of a shock factor for lack of a better term for us as well. And I I agree. I think it's very jarring and worth bringing up. Yeah, because I was going into this book expecting sex and like sex scenes. I wasn't expecting sexual assault or rape. Like that was very jarring to me. 
personally. Um, and honestly, I like, I think excluding that content would have been the best option, but obviously I'm not Ruby Dixon and I'm not like trying to hate on her writing style. Um, I'm just like throwing this critique out for me personally. It was a little bit jarring. Um, cause I was not expecting that. Um, and we'll kind of go over a little bit that more when we get kind of when Georgie meets Vectal, uh, because it is well we'll get there we'll talk about it um so continuing on uh so we find out that there are a bunch of girls uh they're all been uh abducted and there's these uh aliens which georgie lovingly calls basketball heads which i the way georgie describes things is so poetic what did you say lauren <laughs> <laughs> I think as, you know, a group of Southern women here in this discord room, I, you know, I think I can accurately say that that's just the encapsulation of the Southern vocabulary. Yeah. Basketball heads, you know, gotta, gotta constantly be thinking about those basketballs. I tell um, you what, that is the hottest basketball man I have ever seen. <laughs> oh my Lord. Oh my Lord. <laughs> Uh, but so basically these basketball heads are like the guard, the guards or something, whatever. I don't know. So Georgie in her, in her decision-making to kind of like become the leader, even though she's so wimpy herself and is not a strong character in any sense. Um, she decides to become like the leader of the group and plan like a base, a coup against the basketball heads. Um, and when the day they realize they're going to do it, Kira, who, by the way, through this whole time has had like an earpiece in her ear, which helps her communicate with the little green men, uh, who are the ones who abducted all of them. Uh, she hears them say over an intercom that they are dropping off the cargo, which means the women. So suddenly they're, the cargo is let go. Georgie still tries to do an escape attempt. Uh, kills one of the basketball heads, and then they kind of crash land on dun, 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 the ice planet with the barbarians. We love right. a good title drop. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, so it's an icy planet, and our girl Georgie, after so she decides to climb out because uh, she's like, well, no one else wants to climb out, and I guess I'm the leader now, so I better go see if we can find civilization. And quickly realizes that this planet is not Earth and definitely not Hoth. <laughs> oh, so, boy. Um, <laughs> um, so I had to look this up because I was very, like, concerned with some copyright issues from the author. And then I quickly realized, because in her own, like, description on Goodreads, she claims herself to be a very big Star Wars fan. So I realized that this is somewhat of a, like, it's... It's almost a self-insert for the author, I think. <laughs> hmm. I think that's also, if, if I'm allowed to add a comment on that, oh, I, think, I think that also brings up a really good point that I'm sure we'll expand upon later about how the main character of at least Ice Planet Barbarians, uh, not sure if the same could be generalized to her other novels, but I think perhaps maybe, but at least with... Uh, Georgie and Ice Planet Barbarians, there is a bit of a phenomenon like you touched on a moment ago about her, her being a Mary Sue type character. Um, mm -hmm. And just for a little bit of context of for folks that may not be familiar with the term, Mary Sue is a term that originated for 
uh, sort of reader insert fan fiction where intentionally the often the female protagonist, but could be the protagonist is intentionally designed to be more of a blank slate or something you can almost project your own opinions, experiences and personality onto to make the story seem more relatable and enticing to you as a romance mm-hmm. reader. And I think either unintentionally or intentionally kind of up for debate in my opinion but i think georgie is a pretty good example of a mary sue like you mentioned with the coup on the spaceship and trying to help all of the quote-unquote cargo escape there really isn't any sort of backstory or mentions of her having any kind of combat experience or athleticism or bravery of any kind and yet for no reason like from the beginning of the book we learned that she worked at a bank and that's it And I was just like, like, I am, I'm just realizing this now. I wish I had more of a backstory. Like I wish, of course we know she's from Florida and obviously she's a Star Wars fan because she keeps mentioning it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I wish I knew more about Georgie so I could understand her point of view. You know, like, no, absolutely. Why would she, why is she feeling so like, why is she feeling the way to the need to go and save these other girls like exactly like i want to know her motives that's all no that's a hundred percent my feelings too i think i again that's what makes me kind of question whether or not this was intentional by design or if this is simply just georgie being designed as a character simply that furthers plot for the sake of creating chemistry she is a blank slate that is the do-gooder that goes off to further this exploration into this like frozen wasteland of a planet for reasons that we don't really know or have an explanation for. And a thing that I I find really funny and just such a prime example of this phenomenon is when she goes to take down one of the basketball head aliens. I believe they're, yeah, they're, they're called SVVT if I'm correct. Um, Please check me on that Ashlyn. Apparently, the wiki fandom says so. There's (laughs) devoted folks out there, guys. Um, Leave the wiki fandom. (laughs) I'm just going to say the Zund alien. She literally takes the butt of their like weird space rifle and like knocks them out with it. And I'm like, I'm just saying maybe I'm a pansy, but I don't think I'd be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I I find that interesting, but also I kind of want to bring up the point, like you were like saying, she's like a blank slate. I almost want to argue that it could also be on purpose, because if you are reading a fictional novel, wouldn't you want to see yourself in the place of that character, you know? Hmm. Absolutely. I think it may be chalked up to what kind of reader you are and what you like to see from your stories. If you're someone that heavily values characterization and strong development and personality, then perhaps Georgie is not for you and not your protagonist. And that's totally fine. But if you like Princess Leia, let's just say that. No, she's more of a. I was going to say Padme, but I think that had more development. Uh, She's not an Ahsoka. How about that? Mm. I'm a Padme. <laughs> I'm a Padme fan. Oh no, no well, sorry, I'm a Padme, definitely. But like, but like, if we're talking about the movies, n- no, not as much. Oh, poor Padme. <laughs> Listen, in defense of Padme, I did have a T-shirt growing up where I photoshopped my ten-year-old head onto Padme's body. 
Thank you for being brave enough to admit that. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. Sydney's saying things that she shouldn't be saying. And now we're able to come back in. Am I going to have to mute that? I feel like I'm going to have to mute that. Yep, that's an SNL quote. Mm. Okay. Uh, but yeah, um, I definitely see kind of like what you're talking about. I definitely see her kind of as a Mary Sue, like definitely throughout the rest of the book. Um, so kind of carrying on. So she goes out into the world and is not the sharpest tool in the, in the shed. Um, gets into some antics, nearly is killed by some uh, alien fish. And then she gets caught up. Uh, in a certain someone's uh mouth trap, and then we oh. met, meet our main love interest, Vectal. Oh, gotta love him! I I will be honest. I enjoyed reading Vectal's parts more than I enjoyed reading Georgie's. Absolutely, without a doubt, agreed. I I honestly really loved Vectal's point of view, um, and I think it was because we're we like kind of what we were talking about. Like maybe you want that blank slate character if you want to see yourself there. I wasn't a huge fan of Georgie's point of view because I didn't get, receive like any information about her or like her culture. But like Vectal's point of view, you were learning about. Um, like the Sakui and the Kui's. Is that how you pronounce it? I'm going to try. Yes. We have confirmation that I believe one of the fellow women that is like abducted with Georgie, like mispronounces it as cootie. Like, like oh. you, he has cooties. So it's supposed to sound similar. Okay. Sounds good. Um, and we'll, I'll go into what a Kui is in a second. Um, but basically we switched to Bechtel's, uh point of view for the first time. And he finds Georgie and he's like, what is this weird pink, small, multi-fingered thing that's in my trap? Um, so he takes her down, takes her into a cave. Um, and then his Kui resignate, uh, resonates. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Um, so what that means in Ice Planet Barbarians is that so in the lore, you find out that a Kui is a, sim, a symbiote, um, which attaches to the host. Um, so the Sakui, and um, it allows them to then live on the planet because there's some sort of gas that is in the air, which can cause a sickness. And it also allows them to stay warmer and then heal faster. It, it's superpowers, from, but for blue aliens. Um, so... Basically, um, his Kui resonates. And also the big thing about the Kui is that it allows uh, them. It only resonates when it finds uh, basically the person that can make the babies with you. Um, mm. you can, I, I guess you could call it. This is like a faded soulmate kind of thing. Actually, uh, that is a really good point for something that I dug out of the trenches of the Internet. Um, yeah. forgive me listeners. I am an aspiring clinical psychologist. And so I will pull up really crap articles that probably don't mean anything and have a little bit of Freudianism in them. So please, please disregard. Um, there was an article done in we yonder back in 1978 by a couple of clinical psychologists that I'm sure literally have not been disproven for anything by this point in 2023. Um, mm -hmm. that is titled Sexual fantasies of females as a function of sex skill and experimental response cues. How how well oh, is it for time? 
Um, basically, the long and short of it, without boring anyone, is that these two psychologists basically wanted to explore why women are really interested in romance or novels and erotica in general. They proposed at the time, which is certainly up for debate, that the suppression and the basically guilt shaming of women for wanting like to be seen as desirable in sexual fantasies almost manifests in almost a private enjoyment of quote unquote trash erotica. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is a really good connection to at least somewhat to why we enjoy Vectal's perspective a little more. Probably because Bechtel is more, you could argue, like a, let's just call it what it is, a simp, right? He is more of a serving, I aim to please, we are destined to be soulmates and I will never love or desire anybody else type figure, which may be appealing to a typical female gaze or maybe an audience that is looking to feel desired in a way that maybe they don't in day-to-day lives. And I think that there is something certainly to be said about Bechtel in that way. Well, I mean, I, I will be that general female audience right now because um, I <laughs> very much enjoy that point of view. Um, I mean, I don't I think it is because I just. It's possessive without being predatory. Does that make sense? Like it, it is being possessive of another like if we're thinking of this in a very heterosexual man and woman relationship. Um, But it's the fact that it's like, it's protectiveness of being like, because this is my person and they are my everything kind of thing, rather than being like, I'm not going to let her, like I'm being possessive of her because she's mine and she's my property, you know? Yeah. There's absolutely something to be said about that within the context of literature, because I feel like if I were to date somebody in real life, that was like, I resonate for you. That would scare me. My pepper spray. Time to go. (laughs) I would report and block on Tinder so fast. But (laughs) I think there is something interesting about that, like separation of fiction, because then there's none of the weird, scary, potentially toxic and harmful traits that could underlie with that. It's only just pure desire and fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely get that. Well, that kind of leads into then what happens next is when Vectal resonates with Georgie and is like, I am going to eat her out. Uh, so that's what Georgie wakes up to. <laughs> um, breakfast. Um, yum, yum. Yeah. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> um, this actually leads that. to one of my favorite lines within this, within this entire book. Um, it kind of took me out of the experience because I, it was not meant to be funny. I don't think it was meant to be funny. Um, but, (laughs) uh, my favorite line, uh, from this book is when Georgie is waking up, um, and she goes, (laughs) she goes, this was, uh, this was the monster I saw coming towards me. Um, I thought he was going to eat me. Instead, he's eating me out. <laughs> I my disappointment is immeasurable, but I love I it. <laughs> <laughs> I literally burst out laughing, like like inaudible laughter, which is not uh, books rarely do that to me. Um, so when I just laughed so hard at that, like it just I. I lost it. I lost it. Also, um, when she says later um, in part four, uh, 
<laughs> uh, hung like a horse <laughs> and was never met so literally. Oh, I must have blacked out that part. <laughs> blacked that out? No, that's like hung like a horse. Really never had much fun meeting until now. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I'm the ideal audience for that uh, article that I just recommended from 1978 because that line probably would have made me close the book. <laughs> well, I mean, I obviously I'm finding it humorous. Like, I'm just like, what? also, this isn't Georgie's point of view. So this is Vectal talking. Um, oh, trust me. I heard the Southern accent under there. I knew who yeah. was speaking. Hung like a horse and never really meant anything until now. You ever seen a boy out on the cow pasture and he's just more hung than the horse? No, I'm stopping. <laughs> does Vectal know what a horse no, is? No, he doesn't know what a cat is, remember? Oh, no. God. Okay. Oh, no. He doesn't know what a horse is. So Georgie's just pulling out something that he's like I just think it means I have a big dick so that's fine with me I guess oh this this poor man love him love him (laughs) (laughs) my big blue alien because she does say that multiple times remember she goes my alien Mm, that's right I'm so sorry if I'm butchering a southern accent right now (laughs) oh no you're fine I don't think the Sorry, scrap that. I was going to say, I don't really know if a Southern accent that I had in mind for Georgie was anything close to accuracy. So you're good. Um, But yeah, and then that kind of leads us then into, guess what? We're only in part two. (laughs) Um, So so from here, Georgie wakes up and is like, oh my God, big blue alien. He is eating me out like no other. Um, And... Vectal is like all in it. He's like, this is great. Um, but then they they stop doing the do. Uh, and that's just because she slaps him or something. And then he kind of realizes that she, he she doesn't want to quote unquote mate with him because uh, that's the word he used. Uh, trust me, it is not my favorite verbiage, but I have to say it. Um, so. Georgie is like, wow, there's this big blue alien guy and he has fire. So I guess that's kind of cool. Um, kind of what happens here is we get a, a kind of hunting montage slash Georgie being stupid um, and her trying to get Vectal to go back to see the other women. And Vectal's trying to take him to her village, his village. My bad. Um. There's like at one point, uh, Georgie falls into like a pit full of like other alien things that are trying to hurt her. Uh, And then I'm trying to think about what happens. Like a lot of stuff happens, but I can't. Doesn't she fall into the trap sort of within the cave system? And then Vectal has to then run in after her sorry ass to scoop her up. Yeah. I will say, going back to what you said before, because I'm rereading this line about like um, that article you were talking about. I'm reading Vecto's point of view, and I really, really like this line because it just makes sense. And, and he goes, my mate, the resonance of my cooey, my new reason for existing, has just planted her tiny strange foot in my chest and kicked. <laughs> I just love that opening thing of him being like, just 
my my everything and my new thing for existence um like that is very romantic Mm -hmm. i would say i don't know um anyway yeah so they're hanging out in the cave and then uh georgie falls into that uh hole with all the other alien things um there's like a whole scene with her being grossed out by his food um, which I think we will talk, we will kind of touch on that a little bit later. Um, the hung like a horse thing came from when they decided to take a bath in a hot spring kind of thing. Uh, yeah, hot spring. And then she teaches him to kiss. And then, uh, then yeah, then she falls into the hole. There we go. Now, now we're on track. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they go back to the cave that Vectal like cleared out for them. Uh, yeah, and then they have sex for the first time, um, and it is a scene. Indeed. I don't uh, know if I am just an awkward little individual when it comes to reading like explicit erotica at least you know what actually take that back this stems definitely from my long and disgusting history of slow burn enemies to lovers fan fiction where i have been so (laughs) brainwashed to like the slowest of slow burns to where they don't even touch hands graze fingies the tiniest of prints until like 500 pages in so and that's just my own preference, which I know is ridiculous and very much not the norm. But I think for me, having having so many scenes up until this point where there was a lot of foreplay, for lack of a better term. Well, actually, that is the accurate term. There's a lot of foreplay yeah, term. literally from the jump of their relationship. I think at least the whole like act of, you know, intercourse for Vectal and Georgie felt to to make a pun here, but it's anticlimactic. <laughs> well, Georgie wasn't feeling that, but <laughs> that's so true. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, I agree. I mean, I kind of enjoy like the slow burn kind of thing, but I don't know how that would have happened in like this book, like per se, because of that. They, by the way, throughout this whole thing, her and Vectal cannot speak the same language. They speak different languages. We'll get to the point where they figure that out. And that's like one of my favorite weird plot points within this book. Um, so they aren't able to communicate with each other. So they have no idea what the other is saying. Um, and then, yeah, okay. I'm trying to think. So we got to the cave, we had sex. Oh, okay. And then Georgie's like, we need to go back up the mountain. And she convinces him to go up the mountain because she slept with him. And he's like, this is great. Um, (laughs) Vectal's like, this is cool. Um, My everything had sex with me and now I am good. Um, So they go up the mountain and then they stop in a cave before they reach the top where the other girls are. And this is where my favorite plot point comes in. Um, so they go into this cave, they do the hanky panky yet again. Um, I forget what they keep mentioning calling it in the book. What do they keep calling it? It's like something stupid. 
uh, I don't know if there was a term. I know they like, at least from Bechtel's perspective, he like refers to it as like mating, right? Or like Liz called it something, and so did uh, Georgie at one point. Oh, like the oh wait 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 I vaguely remember this. Yeah. Oh boy. Hold on, you keep going. I will let you know if I find it. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so they go into this quote unquote cave. Uh, that is the Elder's Cave. And you find out the Elder's Cave is just a frozen over spaceship, which is just which has apparently been there for 200 years and is how Vectal's people originally came to this planet. And by just coincidence alone can also translate at over 2000 languages. No, 20,200 plus. I don't know. Whatever. It's a number of languages. Um, <laughs> so basically. They had sex in this cave spaceship. Um, and Georgie's like, a blinking light. I'm going to go check it out. So they're able to, like, get the mechanics working, uh, even though this thing's been sitting here for 200 plus years and is, like, frozen. Who knows? Um, it kind of gives her a rundown and kind of tells her what's going on. Um, and then it's like, hey, do you just want me to, like, give you the language real quick so you can talk to Vectal? <laughs> and she's like... <laughs> Yeah, sounds great. And now she can speak to Vectal. So that's how we got over that um, little issue of communication. Uh, uh, yes, we love no. convenience via like Google Maps or Google Translate spaceship. As, wait, no, I think I'm skipping something. No, remember they visit. No, they visit the girls first before they go into the this spaceship cave. Yes, because uh, I believe Georgie brings Vectal back to the ship to show where all of the women are being, like, in the stasis pods. And then Vectal's like, oh, wait, this is why she wants to bring me around with such urgency. I get it. There's ice women. So. Yeah. And then he's like, "Okay, oh, right, because the spaceship is closer to his home thing. Right, 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 Mm -hmm. right. So take that back, everyone. Uh, They actually go visit the women first. Because uh, Kira, like, says something about um, him mentioning that. Because also Kira can use her earpiece to hear Bechtel now. Um, Kira says, like, oh, well, he's calling you his mate. And Georgie's like, what? His mate? I can't be his mate. And I'm like, girl, you just had sex with him. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, I feel like this was like maybe I don't mean to speak for Ruby Dixon herself, the legend, the queen, the myth, the legend. But I think maybe at this point she was sensing that their relationship was maybe progressing a little bit too fast and wanted to create some form of drama. Because I think in reading this, I was never once telling myself, yeah, Georgie's never going to stay on this ice planet. I knew from the opening title page that Georgie and Bechtel were going to end up together and this was going to be a permanent arrangement, not some tender hookup. And I think this was some random insertion of like, that felt almost awkward to me of like, oh, will they, won't they, when they have been going in down the will they path? thus far yeah, I, I never thought won't they like it was that weird thing um which is kind of in the next part where she's always just like well, the other girls have to make a decision because i won't make it for them kind of thing mm-hmm. um and it was kind of strange in that aspect um because it was like well will i stay or will i accept this symbiote she says something else which i thought was really weird and gross um about it 
Mm-hmm. I don't remember what she said. I think she's called it like a bug or something. Mm-hmm. Which I was a like, parasite? a parasite. And I was like, that's kind of rude. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was rude. I just did. Um, but yeah, so then they go to the spaceship. Uh, she can now speak to Vectal and Vectal's like, again, great. Now you can hear me. And I'm skipping over a lot of things about Vectal because he is actually my favorite point of view. Again, I'm just reiterating. It's just Georgie is so chaotic in everything that happens with her. You just kind of jump from point to point. And Vectal's just like, I am caring for a toddler. She is so weak and so pitiful. I must take care of her, which is very sweet. And Georgie's just like... I'm going to go try and die again on some random thing on this ice planet real quick. Yeah, I think I've, I've probably beat this dead horse a little bit, but I think like to me, Georgie was almost in comparison to Vectal, a little bit annoying to read about. And I found myself skimming her perspective way more than I ever did with Vectal, yeah. simply because she felt as a tool to further plot. And then he felt as if he was actually a person living within the plot itself and shaping it yes that is a great point oh my gosh that you just you said it more beautifully than i could um thank you it's all the old 1970s psychology i've been reading (laughs) (laughs) don't (laughs) it's like oh don't worry dr lawrence here let me just read redo this 1970 (laughs) thing Let me just brush up on my Freudian history. Oh, God, please don't. (laughs) (laughs) Mommy, sorry. (laughs) I love it. Some questions for you both. (gasps) Really? I'm ready. So a staple of these kind of romance novels is switching POVs. Um, And this book is no different. Uh, Mm -hmm. How do you guys feel about the POV switching? I know you've touched on your love for Vectal over Georgie, but I think what I say? Vectal is an, M- is an MPV. Is that the word I'm looking for? MVP. <laughs> MVP, thank you. You're good. I think in general, the idea of perspective shifting, shifting, goodness, now I can't say things. Perspective shifting within a book like this is a pretty useful device. I think especially if you are trying to create some sort of tension between your love interest of, mm-hmm. again, that whole give and take and that will they, will they, won't they? Because if you're hopping between people's like mental spaces, their perspectives and their you know versions of the plot, it's the pacing is automatically going to be a lot more slower. And theoretically, you're going to get to know these characters on a more intimate level than otherwise if the story was told from only one perspective or more of like a third person omniscient. But I think with the way that Dixon executes this in IPB is, again, like we've been saying, I think in order for this to work, you have to have characters that are compelling and that have enough or that can take up enough space within the story to make the perspective shift equally interesting. And while the plot itself, I think, can argue arguably be interesting. And as we've touched on many times, Vectal as you know, an object of like executing desire is also interesting. I just don't think Georgie nearly enough matches that same excitement that we had when we swapped over to Vectal. And I think that's when the story starts to drag. It can, and I think perspective shifting can actually be harmful. 
But I would also argue that Dixon used it well in the sense of that, because we kind of touched on that Vectal and Georgie throughout half the book can't speak to each other. So if we only had Georgie's point of view, um, we wouldn't have known what Vectal was saying. And we wouldn't know his point of view until halfway through the book. And I think that would have made this story much different than what we have now. Um, I think this book actually uses it pretty well. I do agree that I think Georgie's could have been more, could have been written more compellingly. Um, But overall, like I think the use of like this writing was actually really good for this story because then I kind of looked forward to Vectal's scenes so that I could learn more about this world and stuff. And then, um, when we went into Georgie's, I was just looking for those really banger one-liners of, <laughs> of text uh, so that I could giggle a little. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very fair. I didn't even consider the language barrier component. And I agree. I think in that sense of like navigating the cultural and language barriers that existed between them, I think it is a very useful and probably a really smart tool that she used. Um, yeah, I, I also agree, though. I do think Georgie probably could have benefited from a little bit of stronger character development um, to make that seem. Because for me, at least when I was reading it, I almost dreaded reading Georgie's parts um, because of that star difference. I just didn't, to use the terminology from the book, resonate with her cooey. Um, and <laughs> I, I just kept waiting for the big hunk blue man. And I think maybe that's my own fault of just being a <laughs> Southern slander hater. If you were plucked out of your bed in the middle of the night by basketball heads and thrown into a spaceship and then crashed on not Hoth, would you make better choices than Georgie? No. No. <laughs> um, I am a very, very, very uh I, I don't enjoy camping. <laughs> Let, let's just say that. Um, <laughs> you like I camping? Sitting inside. I enjoy reading books. Hence why we're doing this podcast. So would I make different decisions than Georgie? I wouldn't immediately go sleep with the big blue alien. Um, but I, I, I don't know if I would like take charge like that, like what Georgie kind of did. Um, because I hate the cold <laughs> and I hate going mm-hmm. outside. Um, <laughs> but like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like survival wise? No, I would probably make similar mistakes to Georgie. However, I wouldn't be as like... I don't think I would be like as gung ho about being a leader and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Actually, I can tell you exactly where I would end up in this novel. So <laughs> if everyone would like to turn to page uh, 20 in your copies of the 2021 edition of Iceland at Barbarians, um, about halfway down that page, you will see the word uh, crack the guard flails. 
Um, if you would sub out the word the guard for Lauren, I think that would be a very accurate depiction of how far I make it in because I am that individual that will sit and freak out and talk to these basketball head aliens so much, asking them, where are we going? What are we doing? Where are you taking me? How, how is this, why is it cold here? They would literally end me on page 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and I would not do well. <laughs> Mm-mm. I am so concerned that both of you would die early on. Um, um, have either of you fallen for our leads at this point, either Georgie, Georgie or Raquel? I, as Lauren said before, I do not resonate with her. Um, no. <laughs> she does not uh, resonate with my cooey. Uh, I, I, Vectal though. Okay, let's talk about Vectal. We obviously both know that we don't like Georgie. Would mm-hmm. I fall for Vectal? Would you fall for Vectal, Lauren? Hmm. I think initially, when Vectal was my only option of a blue hunky alien in this story, spoilers for part two, I, I would There's say yes. <laughs> there is another who is the most absolutely fan fiction trope of like i ate everyone but you oh uh, you know the vibes oh we and love sunshine <laughs> i love tall dark and handsome and literally treats me like garbage so i would i would dump vectal for, for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you met vectal the same way georgie met vectal i would not be thrilled um mm-mm. I would not be boy party. Yeah, I I would not be happy with that. Um, If I knew off the bat what he was saying to me, like if I if I knew off the bat what he was saying, probably if he went, you are my resonance, you are my everything and you are my reason for existence. I'd I'd be melting into a puddle. I'd be like, "Ah, really? (laughs) (laughs) Little me. Little me. That's true, but if there's just this dude that like isn't even saying dude randomly eating me out when I thought he was about to like literally eat me, I would run for the hills and go freeze to death instead. Facts. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. I'd turn to a human popsicle. And I think he would still come to never mind. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, so technically that is our hour. Is there any more you guys would like to talk about before I do the outro? Um, I think we're saving our ratings and stuff and a couple more topics for uh, part two. So stay mm-hmm. tuned for that, guys. Yeah. Um, and I guess thank you for listening in to our first episode. Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Raunchy Power Hour. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at the RPH podcast. Send us book recs to our email, raunchypowerhour at gmail.com or at the link in our bio on any of our socials. Join us in two weeks for our next podcast of Ice Planet Barbarians, where we will discuss our final thoughts on the book. As always, stay raunchy. Stay raunchy.